Welcome to the Finance Geeks Podcast with Paul Kluwerth and Warren Shute. Two financial planners shoot the breeze while sharing tips for making the most of your money and living your best life. Expect a lot of laughs and genuine insights that might just transform the way you look at your finances. Remember to follow, like, and subscribe to the show. And now over to the geeks in the studio. But they are not in a studio. They are geeks in their own office. Welcome to episode three of the Finance Geeks podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Paul Tluith, and I'm joined by Warren Shute. Today, we're geeking out, talking about saving, budgeting, and getting the balance right. So, Warren, what have you been up to? Paul, I do not, I've just got to give you a round of applause. That was a cracking intro. I was very impressed with that. That was good. <laughs> well, I do try. I do try. Paul. It's half I was just term. trying to match you in the last two times, you know, that we've done it. No, you far exceeded my expectations. Yeah, you, know, you put me to shame. You, you're, uh, you're an expert there. Um, half term, half term this week. So uh, I've actually been off. I take um, pretty much all the school holidays off with the kids. So um, although Ollie, my son's now at uni, I've just sort of kept that uh, mantra, that habit running. So, um, but Bella's been off. She's learning to drive. So I kind of, like, you know, throughout the year, I kind of run a roughly a six-week-on, two-week-off rotor. So I work for six weeks, off for two weeks, that kind of thing throughout the year. So I take about 12, sometimes 14 weeks off um, throughout the year and uh, work about 40 weeks a year. So it kind of works really well. So that's been good. Not been up to much with her. Um, sort of trying to find a car, still struggling to find a car. Um, but uh, she had her first driver lesson say, and she absolutely loved it. It was really good. So that was cool. I'm going to get her insured on Ollie's car and uh, take her out over the weekend and stuff like that, spend a bit of time with her, which will be a bit of fun. You, you were going to buy that Polo, you said, didn't you? Did you not, did you not choose that in the end? No, we have. We found, I found a great uh, black one. I found a great silver one, but she wants a blue one, and we haven't found a great blue one. So, um, yeah, I've just given her the choice. I've said it's up to you. You know, we can go for this one and get it, or you can wait. So um, I like Very to good. get my children to make decisions themselves, because if I always make decisions for them, they're never going to have that strength, that muscle. So um, yeah, I help yeah, them. Absolutely. I go and I, I look for it, and I did the insurance quote for her and stuff like that. But um, I've sort of put the ball in her court. What's more important to you, having a blue one or having a car? And at the moment, it's having a blue one. But that was before <laughs> that was before she took her driver lesson. Say she come back buzzing, and I can th- I think she's going to change her mind pretty quickly. So um, yeah, that's what lots of that. I don't know. She hasn't booked her test yet. That's just her first oh, driving right. lesson. I'm not. I'm in no rush for them to pass their test. What I want them to do is actually be really good drivers. So um, it's you know it's like life, is it? It's not a race for the finish line. I want to be a good driver. Yeah, you know, just make sure they're they're good. So as soon as she's got the car, she'll drive everywhere. She'll take me everywhere, day, night, rain, whatever. And um, I just know it's she's a good driver. Then she can drive in all those conditions. Are you going away at all? Are you going on holiday anywhere? No, not not this not this half term. It's only um, a week a week break. Um, So we're just off. We're away in Easter, which is in a few more weeks' time. We've got a couple of weeks off then as well. So, um, but no, it's quite nice just hanging out. I've got some work being done on the driveway. I'm having my driveway redone, uh, which is nice and not nice. The place is a mess, you know, with builders and stuff, but um, they're doing a fantastic job. So um, it's, it's lovely when it's finished. And um, did my first park run on Saturday with my son and Stu, actually. 5Ks, but it was rained off, so um, the, the circuit was waterlogged. So I actually didn't do the park run, but we did do a 5K run, uh, just the three of us. And, um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, the intention was there. So well, what time did you it. do for you? For you, 45 minutes or something? 
50 minutes? No. Oh, <laughs> God, the cheek of it. Uh, you know, it wasn't a good time. Under 25 minutes, minutes is okay. No, I see 35 my... minutes. I could walk yeah, it in 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes is a good time for me. It's, um, I'm not built for running, you know, but I like running. I, when I, no, it's not true. I don't like running. I like running 5Ks. I can do 5Ks. But 30 minutes is a good time for me. Um, but I did that in about 30 minutes. First time in October. Yeah, of course you do. That's called running. Stopping, stopping, isn't it? You run the yeah, I can run the five k. <laughs> what do you what do you sprint and then okay. stop and have a, <gasps> and then start sprinting again? So um, no, I can no, I can run no, the five. Some do. I, I can run the five k's, but um, I uh, I just not that particularly fast. Um, last week I did a school presentation, so I do school presentations going and teaching schools and stuff. So I was in a local comprehensive school um, a week Thursday and taught. Oh, I don't know, probably about. 70 or so six formers all about finance personal finance and money and stuff really enjoyed that i get a lot of personal oh, satisfaction out of that. yeah that's tremendous. good i've done several Teach i've done a few I've done quite a few uh, yeah i just don't look at it like that i don't look I, you know what i really look at it is that we run a profession and if we run a profession we have to act professionally and i think true professionals will give back to their community and those are in need do pro bono work so we're really big into the forces money plan sponsored by the pfs um we do a lot of um work with the nurses and um fire and police and people like that and i go into schools and um, i probably only do about four a year but um if there's any school teachers out there listening and you want someone to come into your school talk primarily to six formers but i have spoken to as young as 11 give us a shout very happy to do it. don't charge and um yeah it's good it's good fun. It gets so much satisfaction, these young kids asking you questions and seeing their eyes bright open up and what the possibilities are in instilling a bit of confidence in them. So um, that's good. Go. And um, yeah, it's good. And then Saturday, we're down to Cirque du Soleil in London. We're going to go and watch um, the circus in the Royal Albert Hall in the family. So that'd be cool. Ah. Yeah, looking forward to that. That'd be nice. nice. So, what have you been up to? Ah, I wonder if you were going to going to ask me actually um i tell you what i've been up to i've been up to more karting uh my son miles uh was at rye house again last saturday with adx uh big shout out to adx they're doing a particularly good job trying to sell us a cart and uh, some additional lessons no they're absolutely excellent and uh, he was there eight to ten hours and we got he got to go out like six times 15 minutes each go and we're sort of debating now at his age whether to buy a cart um, but we just want to encourage him to be the best that he can be and give him the opportunity um, because he's just growing up so quickly. And he loves He was it. karting for eight or ten hours. Yeah, well, you don't cart constantly for that, that amount of time, but you're in and out of the cart. There's lunch, there's waiting for it to be fixed. You know, sometimes it's raining. I mean, the weather was, was variable on the Saturday. Um, but, yeah, to, to, to get there, it takes about an hour and, and a bit you know, to get back. And so with, wow. in terms of out of the house, the travelling and everything, it's, it's a full-on day. Um, so, so it's very exciting and other things that have been happening, uh, lots has been happening at work. In fact, I've made, uh, Gemma, our client relationship manager, a full-time member of staff recently. So that's very exciting. And I've even offered a job to another advisor. So I might actually not be a solo practitioner, uh, as you know, in the cool, next two or three months. So we'll see. Um, nice. so, you know, we're getting a bit bigger as a firm. I want to make sure we can continue to advise all the clients, even if I'm not here. Um, I don't mean... In the, in the ground. I just mean if I'm on holiday or, or, or sick or something. Um, so that was exciting. Uh, what else have we been doing that's in any way interesting? Um, I've actually been doing quite a lot of client work that's reasonably complicated with regards to 
death benefits and pensions and lifetime allowance implications. And it's been quite challenging because I've, I've, I have called some of the technical teams that I know to confirm what I think that I know. But when it's when you're talking large amounts of money, you do want to make sure you get it right. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been we've been encouraging clients to top up their their ISAs, their pensions because of end of tax year. And we've, we're actually getting a lot of our corporate clients, limited company clients, to put monies on to transact because of the rate that they can get. Um, now, 4.88%, you know, instant access monies. And it's just a bit of paperwork. And like we generally, as a business, if a client's got a reasonable amount of assets with us, we do it, you know, for, for free, complimentary, we never say free. Um, you know, because they're, they're getting a bit much better rate than they'd get in their own banks and they can have access to this money uh, and get a return on okay, it. Okay, cool. Which is, which is good. Cool. So, so uh... yes, um, it's been a busy last week or two. Um, but, you know, we keep the wheels turning and um, we've got a good team and everyone's working hard. So, no complaints, cool. really. All right, well, should we uh, move on to Hoth Press? Okay, so, so you know, like everybody who's in finance and in this profession, you, you do have to keep up to speed with what's going on to an extent, you know, certainly with regards to rules and uh, things that affect uh, the, the investments, for example, and things that are going on in the economy and the wider world. Now, I'm... Everybody consumes their news in different ways. I generally like to uh, read news uh, quite often rather than watch it. I, I will read, you know, various websites that I like. I'll read apps that I like, you know, and I'll, I'll read. Uh, I quite like Money Week, which just gives you a summary of a lot of the, the main broadsheets over the last week. So I'll consume a bit of that. There's so much information, as you know, that you can get through from different ways. You've got to, you've got to be very, quite selective. I could spend all day reading, but but be, to be specific. You know, I was quite intrigued and interested in how the Red Sea crisis, you know, in and around Suez um, and the Middle East has, has been affecting world trade, is potentially going to have an impact on pushing up inflation. There's already businesses that I know are affected by it because they can't get some of the products that they need. So, you know, that's a big concern. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's hot off the press that it's just happened, but it's it's becoming a bigger, a bigger and bigger issue. Um, I also noted just today in the news, in fact, uh, today being the 15th of February, that the UK has fallen into recession in 2023. The data's out, you know, two negative quarters of GDP growth. And although it was quite minor, you know, people, as all the, the journalists get on the bandwagon, don't they, and talk about the implications for the economy and you know, when will interest rates start to fall and what the impact of, of this, that, and the other, um, how does it affect you? Um, but um, the, the last thing, we're, we're sending out, uh, before I hand over to your, your good self, we're, we're uh, uh, sending out an end-of-year tax guide to our clients by the end of this month. Um, so rather than wait until mid-March and there's not a lot of time, we've got a PDF we sent to them. It's pretty well written. We've had it all checked. So it's accurate uh, in terms of what to do to make use of their allowances. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, those tax guides, isn't it? I, I don't, we don't send one out ourselves. We kind of leave it on the basis of they're inundated with information from the press and online and stuff like that. Um, I should probably ask my clients whether they'd like it. Well, it's just, I can send you the one that we do just to have a look at it. It's, it's actually provided by our marketing team, Creative Advisor, and I, I usually go in and check it all and, you know, approve the branding and everything else. It's not the sort of thing that you would want to write yourself, but it's a, and it, and it is, all this data is in the press. It is on the, the websites and they'll get it in the newspapers. However, we're trying to make it succinct, make it relevant to them. And it's a little nudge just to take action because you know, you can't yeah. force somebody to top up their pension or the ISRA or use certain allowances, but you can at least remind them that, that 
there are benefits to doing this. And, and if they decide that they want to call me or email me and ask a question about it, I can help them. Um, you know, people are not robots. You can't make them do everything that you want to do, even if you, your intentions are good. Warren, what's hot off the press for you? Anything else? Uh, for me, I think the the thing that's really sort of impacted me the most is you've obviously heard Steve Wright died a couple of days ago. And um, I did. Yeah, Steve think, Wright in the afternoon. I, I remember. Yeah. Do you know what? He, he was a real big um, part of my childhood growing up, really. I can remember finishing school, going to walk my uh, Labrador dog um, freeway and uh, having Steve Wright on my Walkman on the headphones and just walking away. And it's, um, you know, Mr. Spoon and things like that. He's talking about, it was fantastic. He was a real iconic and the amount of love that's poured out for him and what he's done. And yeah, no, tributes yeah. it, it's been fantastic. I just hope that he lived, that people showed him that love during his lifetime and that he lived his best life. You know, I, I get the impression that he absolutely loved being DJ and stuff like that. Um, I think he sacrifice things his life for that but you know he was a tremendous person so influential so many people's lives um i just want to sort of think you know when people pass it gives us time to reflect on our own life and our mortality and you know what life is about i was literally meeting with nikki this week and she said something along the lines of hey look if something happened to me i just want you to get the kids and go travel i said no, no stop this is what you just said yeah, yeah, yeah. If something happened to her, when you grab the kids, I just want you to go and travel, right? And I said, well, listen to what you just said. Why wait? Why not just grab you and the kids and let's go and travel? And it kind of scrambled her brain. She's like, well, I don't understand. I was like, well, why would you wait until there's a fatality to do something like that? Why don't you do it so there's four of us together and do it? And it's really got us thinking about, okay, well, how are we going to plan? This year is quite busy because my birthday, but how are we going to plan next year? What are we going to do? What sort of things in it's already sort of sparked us to do some kind of interrailing across Europe with the kids and things. So, um, Sounds good. yeah, do you know, hot, hot off the press really for me is more about Steve Wright passing, you know, pretty bring it to home about, you know, life isn't the continuum, precious time's running out for us all and, um, just making the most of it. Um, on a more practical level, level, obviously we've got the end of the tax year coming up, new tax year. So we've got things, changes in the capital gains tax allowance. Um, that's dropping down. So, it's arguably not even worth it anymore. It's going down from 6,000 to 3,000 a person. So make sure you make, make most of that. Your dividend allowance dropping down from 1,000 to 500. And then your um, employee national insurance changed in January. That reduced down from 12 to 10%. And then the self-employed national insurance rates are dropping as well. So they're taken away from class two and class four is going from nine to eight as well. So, yeah, yeah. The, the budget's on the 6th of March, as, as you'll know. And uh, I don't think anyone's expecting miracles because there's not much that Jeremy Hunt can do. You know, you can't just either increase taxes massively or reduce them massively. It's just going to be tweaking around the edges, it seems to me. I don't know. Well, this is going to be a really interesting one. I think there's going to be something relatively big because I think the Conservatives are really on a sticky wicket of staying in. I completely agree with you. They shouldn't do anything because they haven't got any money to play with. But if they don't do anything significant, they're not going to get voted back in. Um, so yeah, that, makes, um, that makes sense. Yeah, and the, the NI reduction is not made of that big a deal, has it? It's not. It's not going no, to make a huge dent for people. Not really. It's not. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. So um, yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. I completely agree. It's uh, the way things are going. Um, going um, back to what you said. Look, yeah. Going back to what you said about Steve Wright and and time running out. I just just looked it up. Then 
he was only 69. I knew he was only youngish. I thought he was into his 70s, but only 69. That's not old, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty sudden. Especially when your dad's um, 99. Yeah, uh, nice time in March. Yeah, twenty sixth of March. Yeah, so uh, as of this recording, he's ninety eight, but uh, he has every intention to make him ninety nine. And I've been practicing "Happy Birthday" on YouTube on my trumpet, so um, hopefully it will go down well. <laughs> Fantastic! No, that's it's, uh, great. That's great. It... So, are we going to move on to uh, main point? So. Focal point today. Focal point today is is entitled "How much should you save? Uh, budgeting, cash flow, and getting the balance right." So, so listen, Warren. Why don't you kick off and talk to me about sure. how you encourage clients to save, and also the difference, perhaps, between how you explain saving and investing, and sort of to help them get into the right mindset. So, how do you, how do you go about doing it? Okay. So everything, first of all, starts with the financial plan. And the challenge you have with the financial plan, particularly a lot of the clients that we work with, is we show them that they have probably more money than they need. So a lot of our time is a, is not really around. We don't spend an awful lot of time with accumulators. Maybe I did when I started out. But when I speak with my clients now, they've often got more money than they're ever going to spend. Okay, So a lot of my time is spent on them getting rid of their money, either paying it off into trust or um, giving it away or just spending it and enjoying it. What I do also really encourage my clients to do is introduce their children to us so we can speak with their children, you know, because we kind of want to provide a all encompassing service. So we do speak with our clients, children, and I do talk to them about, you know, savings and things like that. I go into workplaces as well. And, and broadly speaking, how much you should save, we talk about the ratios. I talk about in my book, the um, 20, 30, 50 uh, ratio. And really what we're trying to do is get our clients to save around about or invest around about 20% of their income. So the 20, 30, 50% ratio, if you're not familiar from the money plan, we talk about 50% of the money should be going on your fixed overheads, 30% on your variable overheads, uh, your variable spending, and then 20% of your money towards saving for your future, future events. Now that 20% can be short term and long term, but as a rule of thumb, that's really where we start. When we mention that to people, quite often they'll fall off their chair and think, well, that's just way too much. I can't afford to do that. Um, but it's a, it's a starting point and it's easier to sort of ski down than it is to start up. Also, we talk to people about their life, life transitions, you know, how things happen and, you know, whether they're looking to have children and things like that. And there's going to be a time where money will be less abundant. You know, if they're going through raising young children with childcare and if you, decide to do private education, fit money's tight. So it's much better to get money um, put away and invested now. So we encourage people to do it early on, um, particularly when we're talking into schools and things. Um, but as a, as, a, as a rule of thumb, I just want people to put money away and then start indexing it. Doesn't matter what it is. So we have these ratios for the personal event for the company. Um, Brett Davidson on his course taught me some ratios um, around about sort of 30% of the revenue towards the fee earner, about 45% of the revenue to overheads, and about 25% of the revenue to be retained as profit. Um, yeah. They're yeah. quite, and that's how we run Lexington. That's, that's, that's pretty, you know, it, we found it more difficult with the increase in corporation tax rate, but that's pretty much how we run Lexington. It's quite a good way of sort of making sure that both on a corporate level and on an indiv individual level, you are retaining money for the future. 
I think people massively underestimate how much money they need to have retained for their future. So, you know, I think that that's really, I think we spend a lot of time, very last thing, a lot of time on sort of saying to clients that, hey, look, you know, when you start saving and investing, it's like an oak tree. You know, you plant the seed and you're not going to see anything. And you're even going to question whether this is worth it. What's the point? Um, and then all of a sudden you start seeing small roots and you start seeing your capital sum increase. And, you know, 10% on a million pound is meaningful. You know, 10% on a hundred pounds or a thousand pounds is neither here nor there, but you've got to allow that compound growth to do its work and to um, repay you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, it's interesting that you say you don't work with lots of accumulated clients. I, I, we're actually uh, perhaps the opposite. I work with quite a lot of accumulated clients where, I'm, we're, we're still setting the end goal and still creating a financial plan, but I'm really encouraging them to pay monies on. And the first thing that, that I would do with them, even prior to the financial plan, is get them to complete a cash flow. And in the show notes, I've put a link to the, an Excel spreadsheet, which people can have a look at, as well as a budget chart, just to give an idea as to what I would recommend at Tandem as to how much they would allocate to their mortgage, to spending, to saving, to pensions, to ISAs, and try to break it down further than just the 50, 30, 20. And, and again, it, it does come down, doesn't it, to, to, to how much is enough, how much they need, how old are they, how much can they afford? But, but the starting point is to say, well, what is my monthly net income? It's mine and my wife's. So net income being after tax. What are our outgoings? Let's list them all. Let's find what they are from a bank statement. Let's look at all the standing orders, direct debits, and then say, well, what's left? What's the disposable income left at the end of the day? And you can decide to spend some of that, save some of that at cash, or invest some of that in an ISA or a pension. And we have to differentiate between saving it, which means into cash, and investing it, which typically means into a stock and shares ISA and into a pension. Yeah, yeah. It's um, tipping on the savings route. We would only recommend normally about three, maybe six months of their expenditures retained, plus any planned expenditure they've got falling due in the next three years. So once they've sort of hit that mark, we're really much trying to get them into, particularly if they're younger and accumulators, 100% equity portfolios. Um, and the purpose being to get a, a return better than both cash and inflation and that the investing yeah. means at least, well, at least seven, I tend to say seven to 10 years. If it's more than 10 years, almost certainly with a well-diversified global equity, low-cost portfolio, you're going to outperform cash and inflation. And so why would you not? Why, why would you leave it all in cash? That makes no sense. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Do, do you know, I have a, a rule of three as well. And I talk very simply about the mindset of how, of how to allocate monies and how to build wealth. And, and I think it's as simple as uh, uh, firstly saying you have to put money in it's regular premiums and lump sums. The second part is time, time in the market. You have to give it time. And the third part is the discipline just to keep it going, because I've seen it lots over my uh, career where, you know, someone's had a life event, they've lost their job. You know, they've got a bereavement, you know, they've got an illness. Something has happened and then they've just got into their banking app or whatever or their online banking and cancelled regular premiums to ISIS, pensions, protection. And I'm thinking, no, 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 don't, please don't do all of those things. You know, keep it going unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, and, and if you are going to make a really big decision about money, not just stopping a £10 a month or £100 or £500 a month premium. I mean, the more, the bigger this, the issue. But... Uh, speak to your advisor. You know, at least get a second opinion from someone before doing something drastic, like in cashing uh, your investments when the market falls. You know, this is what it comes right. absolutely down to speaking to an advisor that will help you make a good decision in that regard. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I, I do spend a lot of time on getting them to clarify what it is they want. Because I think one of the things is um, demotivating is not having a reason why, a purpose. So I mean, Simon Sinek, the re- yes. you know, starting with why. And it is, it's so true. It's just like, what's my outcome? What is it I'm looking to achieve? Am I, and when I talk to clients about retirement, I also ask them is, you know, is your retirement a time, a date, or is it a number? You know, because different people have different outcomes what their retirement is. Some people say, well, actually, no, no I'm going to retire at 60, for example. Or some people say, actually, no, when I've got a million pounds invested, I'll retire, whatever it might be. And it's just having that clarity for them, what they're looking for, what their outcome is, and allow them to work towards it. Um, hey, hey, let me ask you a question. Well, let me ask you a question. Wait, when, you, when you ask them these great questions, which I'm sure you do, how long do you leave your pause before you let them answer? Oh, as long as they want. You just wait just go, until yeah, they yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because the silence is their brain calculating an answer or computing an answer. If I start talking, their brain is going to go off that computing and start paying attention to me. It's like when somebody asks you, a child, doesn't it? A child will ask you multiple questions at once because they don't understand the fact that when you ask a question, you've got to shut up and allow them then to think and answer. Um, I won't allow them to become uncomfortable. Don't be wrong. I might say, do you need any help with that? Um, but I certainly will allow them time to think. We're not in a rush to get through anything necessarily in the meeting. What we really want to do is go deeper um, and really try and find out what's important to them. But, um, but yeah, you know, just asking them, hey, look, we're, we're talking about retirement or a transition from earned income to passive income, whatever you want to call it. You know, what is it for you? Is it a date? Is it a time? Or is it an amount of money? Um, and if it's amount of money, we can, you know, calculate that backwards. We can discount it back. If it's a time, we can work out how much you need to put in along the, how many cash inflows you need. Um, in the, I use Truth Presswood cash flow planning tool. Um, and, um, it is brilliant. You know, we, we can get the, I've got to calculate the runs alongside it. I can do lots of stimulation stuff and, um, it just works really, really well. I can do that pretty much live in the meeting with the client so we can get some sort of, uh, things going. Hey, listen, it's part of the discussion on saving and investing and how much you should save. And we're establishing here, you know, some of the uh, questions that you can ask. Um, Do you dig into the client's values as to what it is that drives them as to, you know, what are they spending their money on? And and I'm um, I'm interested as to how you discuss that very topic about, okay, so you're earning good money and and got this great job, but there's there's this disconnect between how much you're earning and how much you're spending and you know do you just do, do you plow your efforts into earning more or do you look to spend less and what you're buying when you're buying things why do you buy them you know do you buy them because you feel that you need them or that your your partner tells you we need to have these you know where's the level of restraint do you, do you talk about that sort of stuff with your clients uh i've lost clients over it you know, we used to look after a lot of martial arts instructors. So ironically, martial arts instructors are very high or can be very high earners in the UK. Um, and I'd have martial arts instructors rock up in my office in a Ferrari and Porsches. Um, yet they've got no money in their pensions what? or investments. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, really? Um, and you don't, and you don't want to kick off with them because they might start a fight. Oh no, 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 no. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But, um, and, and I would, I would say to them, I, I, I've kind of got, you know, I, I, it's, it's on, I think it's on social media. It was on a news or something. You know, if you can't afford to buy something twice, then you shouldn't buy it. And also have a bit of a rule of thumb that you should be investing more than you pay on your car finance. 
know, if you've got a thousand pounds a month going out in yeah. car finance, which you, know, you really should be doing two thousand pounds a month in your retirement vehicle. Um, they're just sort of rule of thumbs. Yeah. They're not sort of yeah. cast iron or stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you, you say to clients that they're going to run out of money and sometimes they will either walk away from it or they'll do something about it. And uh, some people, if they're very superficial, they just walk away from it and they'll walk away from you as a client. But intrinsically, congruently myself, how I feel, I feel I've done the right thing. There's no point just, you know, giving a client lip service and say, oh, yeah, it's fine. Go on. It's OK. We'll do this. We'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you need to have conviction in your advice. Of course you do. And, and I think that uh, like yourself, I think what. What makes a good advisor uh, is to stand your ground, arguably. And, and I, I've used this, these, this expression previously about saying to clients, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. And then in the same conversation later on, I've said, yeah, but you should save this much into an ISA and this much into a pension. So I am telling them that. And it's, a, it, it's, it's trying to make sure that people don't feel uneasy about this discussion and that they realize it's confidential and so forth. But, you know, you, you have to tell people um, – uh, you know the truth, and 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 say, look, if you don't do this, considering we just established that you can afford to, you're not going to achieve your goals. If you want to achieve this goal of earning X amount at X age and being financial financially independent, you know what you need to do is is five hundred pounds into an ISA, a thousand pounds into a pension, and these, and the more you can establish those ratios about how much the debt should be, how much the pension payment should be, and the ISA, and how much they should spend on on their mortgage, the better. Because it get, they just get once they set it up, you just get used to living on the rest, and it becomes habit, um, and it takes care of itself. Arguably, in in the um, in the money plan, I wrote about um, the bank account system. So you've got one account for your bills, and you have a, a regular savings account. And and this came about that I would be sitting down with clients, and I would sort of say, "Hey, you know, they've given me all their income and expenditure, and I'd come into the planning meeting. I say, "Hey, congratulations! You know, you've got this much money coming in, you've got this much coming out. We've got this much available to us for us to invest in, you know, to secure your future." And they say, "No, no, no, I, I don't have that much money." I'm like, "Well, you've told me what you earn. I've calculated your tax. You've told me what you spend. Yeah. So we've got this much money." They're like, "No, we don't have that." And over the years, as you mature, you realize it's sort of spending creep. You know, they probably underestimated the holidays. They underestimated the Christmas presents and, and things like that, money they spend on the house. So um, I developed this system called the bank account system, which is I encourage all my clients to have one account for their bills. Um, and they go through their item. They go, do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? So we try and minimize what they're spending on their net, uh, bills. They're still keeping in line what they want. But if they can get a similar experience for less, then why not? And then I get them to transfer money each week on a Wednesday Wednesday into a separate account. And it's that account they spend their regular money from. Now, when you're talking to somebody who's earning, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds, you know, this is a good strategy. You know, they've got relatively limited resources coming in. They need to manage their money. And, and this works really well. But I had one guy earning over a million pounds a year and he wasn't progressing financially. What was coming in was going out. And I thought, you know, what? I've got to share it with him. But I was a bit nervous to do so because this guy was earning more money than me. And I was just looking and thinking, geez, you know, how's he going to take it? Anyway, I shared it with him um, and I got a call from him about six weeks later, maybe eight weeks later, saying, hey, do you know what, Warren? One of the best things you ever did for me was show me that money plan, uh, that bank account system. He said, because I actually now think twice before <laughs> I buy something. He said, I just got, I, I lost the emotional attachment of buying things. I would just, the guy's got dozens and dozens of cars and he just lost the attachment of buying things and there was no emotion behind it. Whereas now he's got more value behind money. Um, and I think he's still running the similar sort of system. 
Um, but he certainly made a lot more headway in progressing financially. Um, and he's sort of proud of what he's done. So, yeah, he's got some good stories behind it too. It does work. It does work, definitely. Picking up on what you just said there, which I really like, is this notion of deciding what you're going to buy and when you're going to buy it and why you're going to buy it and just being aware uh, of your, your purchases. So um, there are definitely clients that I, that I work with, with that have sufficient monies where they don't really feel that they need to worry about buying something or um, uh, saving as much. They just think it'll be okay. And and it's a, it's a crazy mindset to just say, well, I've got enough. It'll be okay. You know, that doesn't happen. You have to plan it out. You have to start, you know, topping up ISIS and paying down debt and saving into pensions. But it's this concept that I'm really interested in that you touched on then about asking yourself, do I need it? Is it worth it? Yeah. You know, do I yeah. really want it? And from what I'm buying, is it going to buy? Is it going to bring me joy? And can I buy it cheaper elsewhere? You know, it's yeah. asking yourself mentally those questions because personally, I love a discount. It's, it's a great, it's, it's fantastic getting value for money using a voucher code. You know, getting some points on a credit card. You know, anyone who's ever yeah. been savvy about money is probably doing quite well for themselves, to be honest. Um, so I like yeah. the, the, the Barclay card, Avios card. I like the Amex Avios card. You know, I like using Quidco yeah. um, to get uh, free money effectively. Um, yeah. do, do you talk to kids at high school about this very concept when, you, when, you, when you're explaining money and, how, and what the value of it is? No, I don't. It's probably a good topic to discuss with them, but I don't. Oh, you, uh, really I... you really should. Because yeah, they don't understand no, yeah. the value of money. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I spend a lot of my time with children about around beliefs, getting them to believe that they can achieve this. Because I think particularly if you come from a deprived estate or deprived background, you it would be it would not be unreasonable to think that you're going to turn out like everybody else around you. Okay. Um, because that's what you've been ingrained with throughout your life. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if you want more, if you want to achieve more, whether that's financially or aspirational, what have you, then helping them with their beliefs and getting them to show that they can do it. So I work a lot, a lot of the times on their beliefs and get them to believe that they can achieve these things. Then I talk to them a lot about strategies and processes that help them to do that. So I'm really big into education, not necessarily um, university, but getting them to become more and more educated in what they do, whether they become an electrician, plumber, or a lawyer or an engineer, it doesn't really matter. But I think one thing that will pay dividends throughout your life is education. Um, and I talk to them a lot about the bank out system as well. Yeah. Well, you, you've done um, uh, qualifications in life coaching and things like that, haven't you, as well, and now yeah. NLP. So I think that yeah. encouraging them to be the best that they can and being educated and, and setting the values and everything, it all, it's all part of, of education and teaching them. You don't have yeah. to just say, and this is how a credit card works and this is how you buy a house with a mortgage. And, you know, this is yeah, no, no, no. It's all it's, part um, of the topic. But, you know, so I kind of started with saying most of our clients are not accumulators. I, I think I said on a previous conversation with I know it's a podcast or not that I must look at my average age of my client and stuff because I, I off the top of my head I don't know it but I do know that I'd probably say 80% plus are financially independent maybe even more than that they, you know, they don't need to wow. work if they are working um and but what we do in in, in um Bill Perkins book die with zero that's that's a great book recommendation if anyone's listening I absolutely loved it um and Lewis in my office has read it as well he talks about you, you, your, you should really aim to get your peak net worth to be around about age 50. So work, accumulate money to around age 50 because you get the most enjoyment from your money 
between say 45 and 60. So really, once you've peaked, you want to be start enjoying it. There's no point in just keep increasing your net worth continuum throughout the rest of your life. It's really about thinking of things that bring you joy, giving yourself permission to spend that money on those things. But hey, do you know what? I'm not sitting here preaching saying I've got everything perfect. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. My wife doesn't struggle with it as much as I do, but it can be hard. You know, you've accumulated this money. Just say, you know, giving yourself permission to enjoy it and spend it and to go and do those things. Um, it, if we're ingrained in ourselves, our habits and our consciousness from a young age to save and be frugal and put money away and invest and, you know, arguably it's nice to see your portfolio rise in value to then switch that and say, we're now decumulating. We're now spending. Um, it's a, it's a different mindset. So, um, it, yeah, it, it's, it, it's it is, it is. And, and you go through, um, different periods of your life. I mean, there's often the, the third, third, third discussed where the first third is education and building your career. You know, the middle third is, is, uh, uh, is family life, buying a house, getting into debt, you know, putting money away, the top earning. And then the last third of your life, arguably is it, you know, the retirement years and sort of maybe it's the most fun time. I, I, I don't know. It should be fun th- uh, throughout. But um, during these these different periods of your life, depending on what's going on, what you're earning, what your outgoings are, it's important to review, as we talked here about balancing, when the question is how much we, how much should we save, it differs depending on your life circumstance and you know what your earnings are at the time. But but when you when you were saying before about um, you know living life for now and, and not postponing enjoyment um, and just building a pot for the sake of it. It, it, for me, you can't, I can't stress it enough. It is about the balance, about saying, well, you, you can't just spend all your money now and have a great time with virtually nothing in your bank account, nothing saved, you know, getting into debt. And you say, this is great because I'm having a lovely time. The reality is, is, is that it's going to be more miserable down the line. You're either going to have to carry on working past the typical retirement age or, you know, you're just not going to have a very, very healthy, financially healthy retirement. And, and so I'd like to, to have clients get the balance right between spending and saving having fun and encouraging them to spend it and save the right amount a month based on what they can afford. Do you agree? I think, I don't know if you have, I'm sure you have, but I've got a couple of clients that we do have to try and maybe have the conversation of reining their spending in a little bit. Um, we've got one uh, lady who is head of buying a <clears throat> major retailer um, and she really did enjoy shopping. She had a really good time shopping. So you look at her expenditure. <laughs> he, he used to make the girls in the office feel very envious when they saw what she could spend on things. Um, but, you know, just having the conversation around and say, you know, hey, what's more important to you? Is it that you buy these things or is it you achieve your why, your outcome, your values, your goals? You know, and we'd have that in, in, unfortunately, that change doesn't happen just in a meeting. You do need to, you know, help that individual change over time. Yeah, yeah. That this just comes down to the mindset part of it, absolutely. Because somebody spending money to get retail therapy and buying items for the sake of it, when they've they've been impulsive, they've not done research, they're getting this little dopamine hit from actually buying something, and then afterwards, their sense of happiness might be elated for a second, for a little while, and then it goes back down to the, to the normal level. And it's um, yeah. you know, I wanted to bring in at this stage this concept of what the Stoics said and what they believed regards to possessions, largely because my wife always tells me, stop buying stuff we don't need. I've said it in a previous podcast, um, but it's, it's true. You know, most of the time, you, you, well, certainly people get to a point rather where they're buying things that they don't really need. It, it is, you know, it's just stuff. It's extra material stuff. And, and 
Uh, Warren, ask me what the Stoics believed about possessions. <clears throat> what do the Stoics believe about possessions? They, they believed that possessions were fleeting and that our opinion about a thing and not the thing itself mattered. And that all available research on individual happiness says the same. It's not the things you have that make you happy. It's the experiences. And after a certain income level, more money really doesn't mean, it usually means more problems, quite frankly. And studies have shown it doesn't lead to more happiness. So you always have to remember uh, that you can positively recalculate your wealth, your wealth right now by adjusting your wants. And this was the stoic mentality. You change your wants rather than, and you question your needs. So the less you want, the more you'll have. The less dependent you are on, an ex, on external things, the more resilient and powerful you become. Yeah, no, I, I can that, completely agree with that. Is that a bit deep? Yeah. Bit too deep. No, I think it's, <laughs> no, I think it's impressive. I think it's true. It's, it's a really good um, phrase that you've, re you've recited there because, um, you know, if we can encourage our clients to spend money on things that they attribute value to, what's important to them, and uh, they're going to be happier. And from my own experience, I've seen clients desire to spend money just reduce over, as they age. You know, they just got less desire to spend money. Um, they don't really. I've got one couple of clients who really, really do live life. They probably are the picture child for like true wealth. Um, they, you know, arguably they might go a bit too far in spending their money and stuff. Sometimes I try and rein it in, but they just won't listen to me. They're like, Hey, we're here for a good time, not a long time. And that's their expression, not mine. And, um, yeah, they, they, they do a fantastic time with it. So, uh, I, I learned you, from them. You mentioned, you, you mentioned earlier on about dying with zero right? and it's the eternal, yeah. um, uh, query or eternal, um, what's the, what's the expression? Um, challenge for any financial planner to try and help a client become financially independent to achieve financial freedom and to build their pot so that they won't run out of money. However, yeah. this balance, you, you try, if, if a client could tell you when their date of death was going to be and we could guarantee a rate of return, and we knew what inflation was and we knew their withdrawal rate, you could plan mathematically that you could die at a certain age with zero money. The reality is, though, you just don't want to do that because you don't know how long you're going to live. You said in a previous podcast, Warren, you plan for people to be 100 or 110. If, yeah. if, if you're going to stop accumulating money in general and ad adding to your pots at age 55 or 60, for example, you could have, you know, 45, 50% or 40% of your life left, you know, to live. And your pot of money has got to last that long. So yeah. when you tell your yeah. clients that are spending too much, uh, have a good time. I'm glad you look like you're having a wonderful time. That will change very quickly when they realize that they're going to run out of money when they come to mid 70s or if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, no, it will. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating subject, which I don't think there is a, um, documented answer that's going to be foolproof. It's really working with the individual to make sure, um, you know, they meet their values, but it's really where a cash flow in part of the financial plan really comes in. You know, I think I've mentioned on a previous episode that the importance of having a financial plan and creating this cash flow so you can put all your known and unknown expenses in there. You know, in my own cash flow, for example, I've got the school fees for my grandchildren in it. Now, my children are not even married, but, you know, I've got my <laughs> grandchildren's school fees in it. So, okay, what would need to happen for me to afford to pay that, those fees? Um, you know, my, my children and their school fees were in the cash flow before they were even born. You know, a, 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 a true financial planning cash Life flow. Life of a planner. Uh, 
Yeah, it was. It's not. It's not the knowns. I think this is why I share it because if you're a financial planner out there listening to this, it's you don't put in the cash flow the knowns. You put in there the knowns and desires and wishes. You know, in, in one of my uh, my wife and I's hopes, if we do have grandchildren, that we'd like to be able to support their education. So why on earth not put it in the plan now? Um, so we know what we've got to accumulate. I thought, I thought you were going to do a Donald Rumsfeld then and say there's no knowns, <laughs> no unknowns. There's the unknown knowns. Just keep going on like that. Um, no, that's, that's, yeah, I think that um, you can find that if you're trying to do it yourself, the planning part of it can get too much. Um, it, I, there's definitely people who can do this themselves to allocate it, can use the tools that are available to do it. If you want to use a financial planner, to anyone who's listening, because you know because you, you find that, A, you want to be uh, assisted with these these things, to be asked these questions, and largely to delegate uh, you know these, these decisions to a large extent and the complexity someone else then then use a use an advisor you know that's that's the main benefit besides the creation of a plan is to help keep them on track you know to help yeah. ask those difficult questions and to nudge people along and say come on you know you told me what you want i'm going to help you achieve that um and it's uh, it's probably where we had the most fun i completely agree and what i've learned as well is the more successful an individual gets in their life and Arguably in the UK, we measure, or in the Western world, we measure success by finance. Um, the less people challenge them. So one of the advantages, one of the yes, values that a yes. good financial planner would would um, give a client is, you know, we're going to challenge you. We're going to you know, ask you questions that somebody else might not because they don't feel have the confidence to do so. Um, and on top of that, you won't always be around. So when you're not around, you've got someone carrying on your beliefs and your philosophy with your partner, whoever that might be. Um, so that they feel they've got a trusted relationship with someone. So yeah. I, I used to get intimidated by clients that had a lot of money or earned a lot of money. And now I'm really not, in, I, I, it's enjoyable when they've got more assets because there's more problems to solve. But you find that if you can relate to the client and have a bit of fun and build the rapport and build the trust, that it, it's actually fascinating finding someone out that runs a business that turns over five million quid, pays themselves half a million a year, and yet, Here's, here's myself challenging them on how, because no one's done it before or had the balls to do it. And I'm challenging them on what they do and how they do it and what they spend money on. Do they need it? And you've got to be a bit careful, especially if you're speaking to someone who's not used to being spoke to you that way. You've got to be a bit careful, but it's very enjoyable and rewarding for me to do that. I enjoy doing it. They need it. The, 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 the real interesting point time is when you come up against the private banks. So clients got 10 million or so, they're, they're being tarted around the private banks and stuff. And they're really making life complicated for them. And you just put forward a solution that's very, very clear, very, very simple. And it's arguably the same solution as it would be for someone with 500,000. You're saying, but this works. Yeah. You don't need all that. They're just trying to justify themselves. This will work very well. And you'll sleep very well at night. And your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will be thankful that you did it this way. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, so, well, there's a lot of advisors out there, and especially private banks that, that, and, and big banks, where they're selling based on on complexity and it's yeah. assumed that if it's more complicated that it's better in some way where it's absolutely the opposite um absolutely. You know, should, simplicity yeah. wins almost every time you know yeah um so, talk to me about oh, oh, the concept of pay yourself first warren because you've you've always used that phrase where did you come across and what does it mean i think it was richest man in babylon the book um i believe um and do you know what? I think that I have very few clients who don't live to their means. So in other words, they have a hundred pounds coming in, 
they'll spend a hundred pounds. I do have a couple who have a hundred pound coming in and they'll spend 30 pounds, but there is literally the minority. Um, and therefore if you save what's left over, there's not often much left over. So you have to pay yourself first and you adjust in, you know, let's face it, the government got this right. HMRC don't ask you to pay your taxes, you know, at the end of the month when you've got the money left over, they take it out before you get paid. So, you know, get salary sacrifice, get your workplace pension sorted, get money coming out of your pay, your income before you even start looking at it. You will adapt to what's left over. And kind of on the same theme of that, if I'm talking, and it is rare now, which is sad, but I remember talking to lots of young couples when I first started. Um, and I would say to them, do you hope to have children? And if they would hope to have children, I would get them to live for a period of time, a year or so on one salary and for the other to save their salary and say, because this is a, almost like a simulation of what it might be like when you have your first child oh, and the amount of, and the amount of money that they can put aside during that first 12 months is quite tremendous. Certainly helps with the house deposit and things like that. Um, but yeah. paying yourself first, you know, putting yourself before the tax and everything else is so important for you to get some kind of traction on the road, the path, the ladder, to financial abundance um and it's a snowball and, and so it's, it's kind of it's kind of odd because even though we've said pay yourself first the, the the clarity on it is is setting money aside for your savings and your future before paying bills and purchases and you're flipping yeah. everything on its head aren't you as to as yeah. to just saving what's left and then as you said there's hardly anything unless you uh, intentionally allocate monies for a purpose first and it, and it is part of the habit it's, it's fascinating how once you set up regular premiums and you help clients reassess how they allocate their expenditure and you say well this is quite high and you're spending a lot of money there by by making it visual and to write it down and to look at the numbers even though i've said before i don't like to tell clients how to spend their money the reality is i can educate them as to well this is what uh, is, is a good amount to spend on, on on internet or tv or going out and this is well, this is a bit excessive and is that right i'm not trying to um uh you know crack the whip too much because people don't like to be told how to spend their money. But at the same time, that's what they're really asking. They say, well, what do I do? What should I do? How much should I save? And so, you know, you get into developing it over time. Even if you start with a certain amount into an ISA or a pension or whatever, you know, you, you then tweak it a bit down the line, six months a year, you know, and I'm, I'm really big on overpaying debt as well. So overpaying debt, topping up ISA and pensions, and then you just learn to live on what's left. You are so much nicer than me. You really are. I, I quite blatantly <laughs> say, to, I, I, if they're paying a thousand pound in car finance, I say you're being irresponsible paying a thousand pound in car finance if you're not putting anything into your retirement plan. You need to put in two thousand pounds of retirement <laughs> plan. You know, are you serious about this or not? You know, it's like we can, we can. Getting wealthy isn't difficult. It's straightforward. It's logical. You can do it. You know, but you just got to follow the same the, the reactions to achieve that. Um, the compound growth thing, I talk to um, students when I teach them in, in, in halls and stuff a lot. And we have work placement kids come into the office as well, probably about three times a year. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through it with them. And we took the compound growth. So the first question I've got, I, I won't know the answers, but something like if you save an extra um, £10 a day, £300 a month into a pension between 25 and 45, I think you've put away something like £90,000. How much would it increase your pension by? 9% I think is like a million pounds. Um, so, but I get wow. the audience to guess that and none of, none of them ever guess it. 
And then the second one I talked to about is, okay, so if your parents actually saved your child benefit, I said, don't give me a sob story. They didn't save my child benefit. But if your parents did save your child benefit, it's about 105 pounds a week, 115 pounds a week uh, from birth until 18. And then you stopped, but they left the money invested until you're 68. How much would you have in your pension? And because they've just done the previous one, they'll say like million, million, half, two million, three million. It's like over six million pounds. And I just showed that it just flows away. That yeah, yeah, your power of compound growth. So just child benefit in a pension from birth to eighteen. Leave the money invested till sixty-eight. Do the sums. It's about six million pounds. And this is the power of compound growth. And I get the charts out when the kids come in for work experience. They spend time. They get an hour, an hour and a half with me or so. And I go through this and I explain this to them. They go away. Their eyes lit up. They're buzzing. And that's what I think our profession needs to do more about. You know, go go into these people and helping them out a little bit more. Well, it's it's the it's as Einstein said or theoretically said, it's the eighth wonder of the world. And when I talk about compounding to clients, you know, I talk about uh, I give them a very simple example. You're talking about educating kids, and those are great examples, by the way. You know, just to show them the impact of of investing money now over time. But but I would say to them something like, if you've got a hundred pounds. And in 10 years' time, it grows to £200. It's gone up 100%. They say yes. It says the average return uh, is 10%, 100 divided by 10. But the compound annualized, the internal rate of return, is actually about 7.25. If we can get you 7.25% return, annualized net of fees, um, which is possible, if certainly in a high equity portfolio, you'll double your money every 10 years. Well, if you're 20 and it doubles again at 30 and doubles again 40 and 50 and 60, that's how you build a million pound, two million, five million pound portfolio, especially if you're like putting that. regular premiums in. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I, I probably could have worked it out, but I didn't know that. It's a very good way of explaining it. I might copy that. I like that. Yeah, Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just send, yeah, you, no, the, send you the invoice for that. No problem. In, hey, listen, in, just... in the show notes, by the way, we did put the reg- a calculator. I put a link to the calculator site, which is a compound calculator. So if anyone wants to, to have a go and put some numbers in and figures in, it's a very simplified calculation but it would only give you the figures in nominal terms which is in future terms it won't factor it back in with inflation because of course um okay. well it's a bit more complicated to know that but it's uh, it's, uh it does explain the power of compounding sorry you were going to say it, i was just going to complete your quote about einstein's eighth wonder of the world compound growth it's he who understands it earns it he who doesn't pays it yes and it's yeah. true right if you understand compound growth it will earn it you work in your favor and you know, financial planners out there, you know, please, honestly, just really, really, really understand it because I don't actually think many of us do appreciate the power of compound growth in time investing in the market and just leaving your investments alone, allow them to work. Um, because on the flip side, you know, owing money is expensive. So I completely agree with you about paying your debt down. So here's a good so, one on the same note. I would say money makes money and debt begets debt. Oh, and it's and it's nice. exactly the same thing, you know. You, I, I remember showing them, and I did. I've done a bit of education at schools. I've got a little presentation like yourself, um, and I, I'd like to do a bit more actually. So I'll, I'll take a leaf, leaf out of your book. But we'd shown the impact of uh, interest rates on credit cards and only paying the minimum, and how long it takes to pay it off if you only pay the oh, minimum, yeah. but the, which is like two percent, whereas the interest rate might be twenty five percent. And it's it's horrible the numbers are horrible and it, 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 it's like explaining a mortgage to someone and, and, and saying look it's 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 uh it's over a period of time you know uh you get to a point where usually about halfway through a repayment which is a capital and interest mortgage you know the payment starts to half so that more there's more capital paid than interest um 
But, you know, the impact of overpaying something like this, you know, over a period of time, the amount of interest you can save, even when clients look at it and they say, oh, my my rate's only 4%. We're having this conversation 18 months ago. It might have been 1.5% or 2%, but let's say they're paying 4 or 5%. You you find that on a big number, though, like a mortgage of four or 500,000, it's a lot of money. So the impact, the, the, the effect of overpaying it, you know, has, has a massive interest saving. So again, this is part of the balance that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Should we um, sort of summarize our uh, main focal point? Um, I think we should. And, and, and to, uh, before we move on to the next section, so go on then, summarize your awesome, amazing points, Warren. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I think in summary. He's done. That's it. That's like, it. There weren't any good points. And so uh, that's it. Moving on to talk. <laughs> I'll just take the microphone. Okay, moving on. (laughs) I think know your outcome. Know know your number. I think that's step one. You know, what are we aiming for? Is it a date or is it an amount of money? Um, I think, you know, stealing what you've said, you know, look at what you're spending and to see if it's bringing you joy and happiness and see where you can free up some additional surplus. Um, Pay yourself first. Um, Differentiate between saving and investing. So saving, just make sure you have some cash and bank emergency fund and for maybe payments during the next three years. Everything else should be invested. You know, let's lean on equities to do the hard work um, and index those premiums and allow the money to work hard for you over time, allow compound growth to work. Um, I think, you know, that was a tremendous sum up. That was, that was yeah. as succinct as I could have made it. I couldn't have said that better myself. I'm only pleased about the fact that most of the points you just raised there were my points. <laughs> Anywho. This gives you the... It's because you're the clever geek. If I could just add one or two to those. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe. definitely geeky about this. Um, so, so, so for anybody who's interested, uh, as I say, there is a budget chart, which is uh, uh, in, the, in the show notes. It's a PDF where I put a link to it. And depending on your position in life, your age, your earnings, it just suggests how much, as a rule of thumb, you should consider saving towards uh, uh, cash, normal savings, ISAs, pensions, how much you should spend, how much you should pay off your mortgage. So have a look at that. There's a, there's a cash flow, which is an Excel document where you can put in all the details. So you can you, you should know your income. You'll see that on your pay slip, on your self-assessment, whatever the number is, net of tax. And then you can allocate all your numbered expenditures and really think through what you're actually spending your money. Then you have to challenge yourself on you know where you're spending your money and how you can alter it to inflate your disposable uh, income. And then it comes down to allocating that and amending it and a change in mindset. Um, but, but yeah, the... the uh, We've all, lastly, I put a link to a couple of articles on our website where we talked about the difference between saving and investing. You know, I think the, the words are conflated, whereas I, when I think saving, I think naught to five years, I think cash. When I think investing, I think unit trusts uh, and collective funds, equities, bonds, you know, and the use of ISAs and pensions predominantly. Um, and I think that if you get the mindset right, that, that investing does not mean one or two years buying a direct share. That's not what it means. That's speculating. Um, you know, and, and things like cryptocurrency are not speculating, they're gambling. You know, so we save into cash, we invest ISIS pensions, we get the mindset right, we set it up, we start it and we leave it. And ideally, don't look at it, just keep the regular premiums going. And over time, with the power of compounding, you will build a big pot of money. It's unbelievable what can happen over time. Mm, um, a, a decent, yeah. low-cost, global equity-based portfolio. Yeah, right. it's, that, it's that oak right. tree, isn't it? So, yeah, it is. I like your oak tree. I like your oak tree expression. That's uh, that's what it is. Um, it would be better if it was a money tree, wouldn't it? That constantly grew money. That'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> I found one of those bad boys. 
So, so listen, let's go on to uh, the next section, uh, Two Pennies Worth. Two so, Pennies Worth, Paul. Warren, what amazing Two Pennies Worth, what uh, recommendations have you got for us today? Okay, so my first thing is like in this, I really suffer this time of year, okay? I just don't like the low cloud, dumb miserable weather stuff like that i like it sunny and bright i'm i'm california every day of the week you know it's 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 lovely so i actually have one of those loomy lights i have one of those loomy lights so we've mentioned my meditation in the morning uh-huh. every morning i sit down it's not a mask that goes on your face for my beauty it's just a it's a light i sit in front of and when i do my and do you know what? I need one of them. Somewhat better from it. I yeah, I probably do need one of those. I feel somewhat better from it. I don't know if it does an awful lot of good, but you know, I feel all right from it. It feels good. So um, yeah, the Lumi Light. Actually, the best recommendation. And where I've can ever you had, get one of those? Where can you get one of those? Oh, just online on Amazon. I'm sure. Um, I think I probably got my. I think I buy everything on Amazon. So uh, I'll put a, I'll put a link to the light that I have in the show notes. How's that? But I think the best recommendation I ever had was probably from Josh Button or Gabby Button. Um, and they recommended to me the light, the Lumi alarm clock. So I no longer have an alarm clock that goes ee, ee, ee in the morning. I have a light that comes on and it lights the room. It's like a sunrise. And if I'm really, really tired and the light's on full blast, and I haven't turned it off. I then have birds tweet at me. You go, do, 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 and it wakes me up. It is such a lovely way to wake up. And it was Josh or Gabby recommended that to me years ago. And I thought I those were the children. Yeah, well, maybe I'm just a big kid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a nice way to wake up in the morning. You just feel like the sun's woken you up. And, yeah, it's it's lovely. So I highly recommend oh, I those alarm clocks. Yeah, one. really, 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 really good. Right. It's – um. Anything and else? do you want me to tell Is my app, it? or do you want to tell me you want to have a go? Well, uh, no, you can carry on. You're on a roll here. You've got an, you've got an app as well. Yeah, tremendous. What's, got, uh, uh, yeah, what app so, are we recommending today? So when I was teaching at the school the other week, I went in, and the teachers take you around. They like to show you the classrooms, and the kids all working and stuff. And um, I sort of said, yeah, what's going on with the, what they're working on? And they said they're, they're working on Build Your Stack. I said, what is that? And it say so you can go to buildyourstack.com, it's a simulation investment game. You, it runs for 20 minutes, which simulates 20 years. Every, I think, 30 seconds, you get paid something like two or $3,000. And you can buy cash, um, certificates of deposit, bonds, gold, equities, private equity. And then you build your stack. And it was fascinating. And then they had a league table because they were in groups. Now, the league table, and all the kids were competing against each other. And I just in my head, I was thinking, hey, wonder what happened? Because index funds is an option. What happens if they just bought index funds every time? So, of course, I, I mentioned this in my presentation. When I came home, I just couldn't help. My wife would be looking, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I play on Build My Stack. I don't play games. And she was laughing at herself. And it's really, really good. So if you've got young children, if you go into schools and you do presentations, stuff like that, Get familiar with it yourself first. You probably wouldn't want to do it as a presentation because it's a 20-minute game. Um, but it's a great thing for them to play. And kids love playing online and stuff. It's called Build Your Stack, S-T-A-X.com. But again, I'll put the note, uh, the link in the show notes too for you. Go on, I've done a couple. Tremendous. Yeah, it's good. It's I'll good. Give, I like I'll that. Give you a couple. Good I'll, give you, okay. I'll give you a couple of two pennies worth. So um, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of Audible. Um, and I'm, I'm reading a new book at the moment or listening to a new book 
called Feel Good Productivity by Ali Abdal. And it really resonated with me. I'm not sure. It was recommended uh, uh, by Audible, I think, or by Amazon. Or it was came up on, a, on, my, on my feed. And it just resonated with me. I just, I loved it. What he basically talks about, this guy's a doctor, and he talks about how you can either work harder to get ahead, put the hours in, and to be productive. Or you can flip it on its head completely and remind yourself that you need to look for the fun uh, and to play. Because he talks about positive emotions are the fuel that drive the engine of human flourishing. Um, he says, that, and these are some of the quotes from his book, uh, success doesn't lead to feeling good. Feeling good leads to success. And I mean, there's research on this uh, as well, of course. It's not just his opinion. They, they've done this proper empirical research. Um, he says to think of a task uh, that you don't want to do right now and ask yourself what it would be like if it was fun. And I was like, okay. And I remember reading a book once, uh, uh, one of Tony Robbins's books, and he said that he came home from a, a long event um, and he had a stack of emails and a load of calls to make and he was busy and he thought, I've got to get this done. How can I make yeah. it fun? And I think from yeah. reading it, he got in the hot tub and yep. sort of yeah. uh, oh, cracked open yeah. a beer and said, I'm going to make it fun. And he got through it by yeah. flipping it on his head completely. I mean, he's obviously a positive uh, uh, person anyway. But he's, yeah. he, 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 Ali Abdal says, the next time you're not feeling good enough to take a chance, simply ask yourself, what would it look like if I were really confident at this? What would it look like if I approached this task feeling confident that I could do it? And again, hey, it's a mindset. It, it's tremendous. You should, you should, you should listen to it or read it. We I totally recommend. It. We should, we should ask ourselves those questions before we do the podcast next week. <laughs> we, we should, we should. Do you know, uh, d- despite the inevitable uh, negative reviews we're going to get, uh, largely aimed towards yourself, Warren. Um, the, you know, I will keep going as long as, as as we can because I enjoy it. You know, I do. I enjoy doing this podcast. I'm not doing it for any other extrinsic reason. I'm doing it to, to chat with my friend Warren Shoot. And that's hard work in itself, yeah. I think uh, you know, I have to put a cutout of myself here instead and just put a pre-recording on. I don't think it'd make any difference anyway. Um, okay, I've got, I've got another one. You ready? Come on. Yeah. My, my, I've got another recommendation, and, and that is for the app called Curve. Um, oh, yeah. do, do you know what? Everyone might know about this already. Other people might, but I... I was at Bry um, House with my son at uh, karting. I forgot my wallet. And I just was thinking, oh, God, I want to buy something, some cheeseburger and chips. That's pretty much all they sell at the bar. Um, and uh, I thought, how am I going to buy it? And I couldn't figure out, because I've got an Android phone. Um, how can I make this work on my, on my phone? So, of course, found this app, Curve, linked it to Google Wallet, uh, had the details of my cards in a, an app called Dashlane. So I connected them to it. You know, set up the NFC on my phone, went over, paid for it, boom. But then I looked into this card, the uh, Curve card, and what they're doing now when you really look into it, you, it's one card where you can link lots of other credit cards or link PayPal, and you can turn your wallet into just one card. So you can link to the app, you can create smart rules, you can say if it's over 100 quid, go onto this card, you can earn cash back, you can avoid foreign transactions, you can see where your money goes. I was mega impressed with it. And then they send you what is essentially a little credit card which says curve on it and 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 so you can either pay from your phone or from this card but yeah curve don't get it it's really good so um we've been using curve for a long time and um they allow a thing called fronted payments have you come across that have you read about fronted payments 
Well, I'm learning about it, Warren. I'm not as down with the kids as you are about these apps. So no, do tell. Well, I, I did I did realize that when you said you didn't have your wallet on you and you didn't know how to pay. It's like, I've been using Apple. <laughs> I don't carry a wallet. I just use Apple Pay. It's like, um, well, I haven't but, set that uh, up. I'm obviously old school. But you can pay your HMRC bill with it. Link it to your um, company credit card. And um, I love yeah. that. I love that getting points for it as well. Do you know, so my wife yeah. told me about this before even mentioning it, and this is why I looked into it. Uh, did you pay your tax bill on Curve to get points? Yes. Yeah. We actually have two curves. Wow. We, so we oh, get double the points. All over it. So, uh, yeah, we're all over I'm it. I'm depressed yeah, I now, knowing that you're slightly more savvy than I am in terms of tech mm-hmm. and apps. Wow. Many, many. Uh, Many moons ago, I looked at my expenses and thought, how can I get this down? This is crazy. And we look after a lot of BA staff, and they've been telling me to do the Avios points for years. So I finally bit the bullet. But when you do something, I kind of go into it full blazing. So we did everything. So, yeah, we're full over the Avios points and get as much as we can. So um, Let me ask you a question. How many Avios points do you have, Mr. Shoot? How many? Uh, I, I don't know. Not not <laughs> phenomenal amounts because we, we always use it. Over a million, I guess. But, you know. We just use them. Oh all the my time. lord! Yeah, uh, well, you yeah. can send well, you some got... my way if you want. That'd be great. Thank it's, you very much. It's uh, we 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 set things up so we accumulate them as much as we can. Um, but they go down very very quickly. You know, you you book a holiday and they go sort of thing. So, uh, but you've got to book we, these we... holidays way in advance, haven't you? To use your Avios points, you've got to you've got to book them in advance and choose. Well, not certainly not places massively. like Australia, you do. If you want to go long yes, haul, you do. Yes, yeah, Australia, you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally like nine months, I think Australia is. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it is. It's good. Um, I have a film as well. So, um, film as we're well. People are going to be logging well, off by now. Come on. We're, we're one we're hour and nine minutes already. Just, so, come on. We're just recording this after Valentine's Day. So, um, I watched a cracking film. Uh, do you remember the Blackberry phone? Yes, the Blackberry no. phone, I do. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. A film, there's a film called Blackberry. And it's phenomenal. Oh. It's great. It's about the rising fall of BlackBerry and how Apple comes in and stuff like that. It's a really, really good film. Very inspirational that stuff like that. Good. Highly recommend What's it. that going to do with it's Valentine's really, Day? Uh, me and Nikki had a date night and we just watched BlackBerry. Oh, okay. So, like, that's, that's, the kind, that's the kind of thing. That's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. So no flowers or nice meal. We just chuck some out on Netflix. Yeah, there you go, love. I don't, I, I don't buy flowers because she gets those Freddy flowers delivered like every two weeks. So I don't get flowers because I don't see the point. But um, I did cook a meal and she did get some chocolate. So yeah, and some wine actually. I bought some wine. So. Nice, nice. So you consumed a boomerang present. I, ever, I do love a boomerang present. Make sure you buy a <laughs> bottle of wine for your wife and then drink it in front of her. Tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, I think we should move on to Q&A. What do you reckon? Warren, you gonna start? do you have any interesting quotes or anecdotes that you'd like to share? I've got one. I'm going to share with you one. And it comes from F.M. Alexander. FM Alexander. And he said, people don't decide their future. They decide their habits that decide their future. You got that? Yeah, sinking in. Very good. Yeah. Deep, cool. Deep. Yeah, sinking in. Good, good, I, good, it good, almost good. might be to do with, it might also to be, be to do with today's focal yeah. topic today about. Yeah. Do you think I thought uh, about that? Uh, you know, getting into that. I, do you know, I, I, you definitely 
are smarter than you look. So, um, you know, that's a good quote. I like that. Go on, Paul. What's, what you got for us? So, so, so listen, of course, I couldn't just give you one quote. I have to give you three quotes. So if anyone's listening still and they haven't just turned off already, uh, I've got three quotes similar to yourself, all about budgeting and money. Yes. So my first is, is this. And see if you actually know, and assuming you've not read my notes, see if you know who said this and where it might be from. Annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, 19 6 Result, happiness. Annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, £20 or in six. Result, misery. Li- uh, Little Dorrit. Is it Little Dorrit or um, it's uh, the author, the old Charles English Dickens. classic? Charles Dickens, it, that's it. Is that Little yeah, Dorrit? It is Charles Dickens. It's not in Little Dorrit, though. It was in David Copperfield. David Copperfield. David Copperfield. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. Good quote. Yeah. Good quote. I've actually used that yeah, quote before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah good, it's a good one. I've good. I just come across it, did a bit of research and stuff. My second one. Are you ready? Uh, yep. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And that's a quote from Will Rogers, who I look, I knew the quote. I'd heard of it, but I looked into him and he was an American author and died in 1935. So it's obviously been around quite a long time, but uh, this concept really rings true that how many people buy stuff they just don't need? They haven't haven't got the money for it. They buy stuff they don't really need to impress other people they don't even know. Stop keeping up with the Joneses. You know, look after yourself and your family and and your your, your, wife and partner and kids first, but just don't buy stuff you don't need. Simple. Um, And the third one is uh, from one of the Stoic philosophers, Epictetus. And he said apparently, because it was probably 3,000 years ago, wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Okay. Oh, I like that one. That. I like that one. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. So um, um, that was it. That was my third amazing quote. Um, we might even get around think- to Q&A being questions and answers in the future if we ever get any questions. So if anyone does have a question for uh, the, the indomitable Warren Shooter myself, please let us know uh, in the comments and we will get to a question if anybody listens. Okay. Paul, I think that's a wrap. I've really enjoyed today. It's been good. It's been good. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. I've got some tips from you and uh, I'm going to use that compound growth uh, question that you said. And um, yeah, it's been, we should write some of this stuff down. We should do a podcast and tell people about this sort of stuff. Shouldn't we? Hang on. Is this being recorded? (laughs) You never know, might get a couple of listeners. You you should write a book, Warren. You definitely should. Yeah. Should um, <laughs> and you, all this knowledge that you've got. In part, oh, hang on. I think, didn't somebody tell me you wrote a book once? I think it's got like a few one-star reviews on Amazon. What's it called again? <laughs> hey, the, the UK's premier financial right. planner, the uh, money plan. Uh, very I, good. I, no, I'm well I impressed that you've written a book. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll write another one to okay. impress you again. Absolutely. Well, until next time, folks, thanks very much for listening. Do like and follow and subscribe and all that good stuff. And uh, if you've got any questions, uh, do leave uh, some or comments, uh, hopefully some positive, constructive ones uh, for Warren. Um, then let us know in the show notes or in the comments, and we'll see you in episode four. Goodbye. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's discussion. If you're enjoying this show, please subscribe to a podcast. It's a great way to support us. 
If you have questions or comments about this podcast or topics you'd like to suggest for the show, please put these in the comments section on YouTube. Remember, if you find yourself humming a theme song for the next week, it's not a sign of brainwashing, it's just a testament to our awesomeness. Or possibly a mild earworm. Consult a doctor if symptoms persist. If this show is designed to be informational only and does not constitute investment or financial advice, please contact a regulated financial advisor before taking any specific action.